Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Hello everyone, you're on another walk and talk episode with Molly. (laughs) It's been a while since I've done one of these. I changed up my intro a little bit that you will have just heard. I'm really trying to promote my premium content. Last week I shared an episode on my private podcast feed called My Reflections on the Big Empty and it received more of an outpouring of support from my premium subscribers than I've ever ever imagined it would. And I reflected on my huge breakdown that I had last week. I had a meltdown moment, big time. And it was a fight that I had with my partner that completely was started by me. And the lessons that I learned in that moment or something that I felt compelled to share. And I think later this week, I'm gonna release half of that episode just so that you can hear the first part of it. And that's what's inspiring me to even talk more today, but on a little bit of a different vein. We're gonna have more of a casual chat similar to that premium episode. So if you wanna unlock that, go to backfromtheborderline.com and I'm excited to welcome even more of you into this inner circle of my premium subscribers, but I will always continue to share on this public feed with you. So moving on into some reflections that I'm having today as I'm walking Cody, me and Cody, my dog, just walking here in the woods. I've been thinking about how we need to be careful on our spiritual journey. I think that's the theme of our chat today is being careful And I've talked jokingly in the past about spiritual gurus TM. (laughs) This is the people on Instagram that are divine feminine coaches who want you to come into their masterclass or their safe space for only $7,000 to come into their container or coaches saying you need to invest in yourself mental health coaches, wellness coaches. We need to just be careful. And I don't want to demonize any of these people that are out there just trying to make a living as a coach or healer or anything like this. But I have this deep-seated feeling that we are going to, in 10, 20 years from now, look back at this as a really weird time where everyone thought that they were a healer and a coach and a intuitive and an empath. Nobody's going to heal you. And not only that, I hate the word healed. Healed as in that's a complete process. It's always healing. It's a verb. It's always happening. We're always healing and we're always growing. That's what I'm realizing. Anyone who is telling me 
as a consumer (laughs) that there is a finish point to all of this shit, whether that be a therapist, whether that be a coach, whether that be anyone, anyone worth their salt is not going to tell you that there is a finish line that you can get to for X amount of dollars. I don't think we can sell spirituality. Why do you think that you can just walk into a church and go to confession? By the way, I'm not like plugging the Catholic church or churches are like a place of sanctuary. Or I was looking at going and doing a Vipassana retreat, which is just a certain amount of time where you go and do a meditation in complete silence. A lot of these programs are free because spirituality technically really shouldn't be sold. But we are in the midst of this spiritual capitalist movement that's starting to really freak me out. (laughs) And I'm starting to just become very wary of all of it now. And I'm bringing this up because a listener, beautiful listener, commented on my Instagram this last week and she asked me, have you heard of Teal Swan? And I know she listens to this podcast and her and I had an amazing conversation after she left this comment. I actually engaged her in conversation. We had a beautiful back and forth and she is a deeply reflective and open-minded person. So I know she won't mind me sharing this, but she asked me if I'd heard of a spiritual influencer named Teal Swan because Teal Swan's work had helped her so much. And it made me think because yes, I had heard of Teal Swan And a little bit of a backstory. For those of you who don't know who Teal Swan is, she is a a spiritual influencer and has a massive following. I'll paint you a picture. She looks like Angelina Jolie and she's she's a beautiful woman, gorgeous, late 30s woman, long flowing dark hair, piercing blue eyes, stunning so intelligent when you listen to her talk that is the one thing no one can take away from teal swan is she is incredibly smart and she has a commanding presence undeniable and hypnotizing and she certainly has a mastery over seo which is search engine optimization this chick knows exactly what people are searching in google.com or youtube.com when they're struggling because baby borderline struggling ass Molly came across her videos very early on in my journey of self-awareness when I was at the rock bottom wondering what the fuck was wrong with me and I don't remember what I typed but her videos were promoted to me in YouTube alongside other new age spirituality stuff like Esther Hicks. If you're familiar with Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, and her videos are just massive on YouTube too. She's one of the people who contributed to the book, The Secret. And the theme of this episode is being careful in our spiritual journey. And so I'm just telling you that I fell down the teal swan rabbit hole. So much so that I shared her videos with people that I loved. Looking back on it, I remember that. I even shared one of her videos with my coworker, which now in reflection, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Very, no boundaries, Molly, right there. And then about a year and a half ago, I saw a podcast 
doing its rounds called The Gateway, which was an investigative podcast, I think by Gizmodo, by an investigative journalist. His name is escaping me now. But he did an investigative report on Teal Swan because many of her followers had been saying that Teal Swan's content was dangerous for people who were experiencing suicidal ideation. And I'm not going to go into that. I highly recommend that you watch the documentary The Deep End if you are in a good mental place because it definitely gets into suicide and deep dark stuff but so does this podcast so if you're listening then this freaking documentary will be child's play for you (laughs) but go listen to it if you really want the ins and outs of what's going on with the teal swan situation but after watching it my high level reflections are this and there are still two more episodes to be released in this investigative documentary fun fact they hire an investigative journalist (laughs) to or a pirate investigator rather to decide basically whether or not the teal swan group is a cult and the private investigator's name is molly which i thought was really funny i was like yes fellow molly's doing that good work that research nerd shit it's really good watch it i'll link it in the description of this i'll also link the gateway podcast into this and it's so easy after watching these things to be like oh my god teal swan's a horrible person i don't think it's that simple She's not a bad person, but what I witnessed when I saw her behind the scenes and not all beautifully presented in her videos is that she is a broken, hurting person who is desperately trying to maintain control and maintain her mask of being this all-knowing guru. She's not okay with being wrong. She's not open to the reality that she might not have all the answers. And it made me feel stupid, honestly, watching it because I was like, wow, I really binged hours of this chick's content. And what I realized at the end of this, like watching this documentary and then feeling my stupid cringe spiral of how much of this chick's content I have absorbed was that we have to always remember, always, No one has all the answers. No one, not me, not you, not the trauma-informed coach that you're following on Instagram. They're not sharing their breakdowns with you. I wish more people would, not their live breakdowns. We all did that on um, our Facebooks when we were young millennials. Shout out to my millennials who aired every single mental breakdown they were having on their Facebook status. RIP. I thank God I deleted that. Getting my pop-up reminders of this time seven years ago, you were saying, I was like, oh God, please don't remind me. It's not natural. That is a huge reason why I deleted my Facebook. But the point being is that nobody has the answers. Nobody. A year or so ago, I ended up dropping thousands of dollars on a coach that I found on Instagram. And while she has become a really good friend of mine, actually. We, we bonded and stuff. But what I realized is that, wow, I paid thousands of dollars to really just kind of like hang out with a friend and develop a relationship with someone. And now that person is not even doing that anymore. She, she stopped doing this work because it fell out of alignment with her. And I think maybe part of the reason is that She knew deep within herself that 
it just didn't feel right. And I have so much respect for her for that. And I feel like it was a really good lesson for me to learn that like, I need to learn that nobody has the answers. And if we go saying, here, take my money because then I'll be healed. That's not the way. Recently, I have been reading this book by Pima Chodron, and I'm going to link it in the episode description. She's a Buddhist nun, and it's called The Places That Scare You. So she's sharing some reflections, and one of them that stabbed me in the soul in a good way, because I needed it, was that how many of us are just clinging to our stories and our suffering and it made me really think about that and that we so desperately want to be somebody and that we position ourselves as different than other people and after my big breakdown last week that I talked about at the beginning of this episode that I shared on my private podcast feed about the big empty is that I realized that I'm no different than anybody else at my core I'm never going to be fully healed. I'm still releasing this constant drive to be better and fix myself and just accept that I'm going to fuck up. I'm going to make mistakes. So is everyone else. And I have so little patience for other people's mistakes. And I'm constantly waiting to point them out in myself and others, even something at work. Someone does something that I perceive to be wrong and I will talk to my partner about it, talk to my sister about it and just make my whole day about this one little thing, which at the end of the day is just a person being a flawed human being, just like me. So we're in this weird position where we're putting some people on pedestals like these spiritual gurus, TM, And then on the other hand, we are distancing ourselves and pushing ourselves above others, like the people at our job that piss us off and say, wow, I would never do that. Do you see this conundrum that we're in? And Pima Chodron was talking about this practice called loving kindness practice. And it's all about sitting down in silence And thinking about how we can find and connect with a feeling of a soft spot in our heart. And she talks about the most beautiful meditative practices to connect with this soft soft space inside of our heart and to move it outwards. And so she said, if the easiest thing you can do to connect with this soft spot is to think of a pet, And for me, that is absolutely, she's standing here right next to me, Cody. I look into my dog's eyes and I like am instantly full of love. She just looks at me like I'm the center of her world. And how could I not find this beautiful soft spot inside? So when I look at Cody's eyes and I encourage you to do this, just modeling this practice for you, sit down and think about something or someone that immediately brings up that soft feeling for you. For me, it's always an animal. (laughs) Maybe for you, it's your child or your grandparent or just someone who instantly fills you with that feeling and you'll know that feeling where you're like, your heart is automatically soft for them. 
So you connect with that feeling, hold it. And then the next part is to slowly expand that feeling to others and ourselves. So then maybe you think about yourself, hold yourself in your mind. Can you connect that feeling of love with yourself? And you slowly expand it out. Can you connect it for people that, you, that, that are in your life that you love? So your partner, even if you're mad at them, you feel that feeling for them. And then Pima says that we have to slowly expand that feeling to neutral people. The person next to you on the bus, the person that is in front of you at the checkout line at the grocery store. And then the hard part comes. The next part in this experience that Pima asked us to do is to move this circle from our dog to ourselves, out to the people we love, out to the neutral people. And then it gets more difficult because we move it out to the people that irritate us. How can we connect that warm, gooey, soft energy of love and pure adoration that we get when we think of our dog or our grandma or whatever you thought of at that beginning part of the practice. How can we connect with that to these neutral people and the people that irritate us? Be tuning into your body for how it feels when you try to connect that gooey, loving, she calls this the, this pure loving kindness is what it's referred to in the Buddhist religion. So when I talk about this gooey, gooey feeling that you think about when you think of your grandma's hug or your dog's eyes or your cat purring on your lap, that pure loving kindness, that unconditional loving space, tenderness, tune into your body when you try to connect it to the homeless person that you pass on the street, to the person that really aggravates you. And the goal is to not necessarily change or shame yourself, but tune into your body. Do you feel like you're blocked from being able to connect that loving kindness feeling for these neutral or aggravating people in your life? Because it does for me. It's hard as fuck. (laughs) And that's what I've been looking into in myself lately. And I wanted to give you a window into is I think that that is the most important practice that we can cultivate in our lives. That's the goal is to try to connect loving kindness to ourselves, to the people that are aggravating us. And that might even be our partner at the time. If we're doing anything other than trying to just connect that gooey loving kindness, soft space in our hearts to ourselves and the people around us, it's not a worthwhile exchange of energy. It's that simple. But at the core of all of it, after reading all the stuff, my friends, all the things, listening to all the spirituality and really falling into some traps myself and spending money that I didn't need to spend, I'm realizing that it's all here in this book that I'm reading by Pima Chodron, this beautiful Buddhist nun. And she's just saying to connect to the loving kindness inside of you and start small, start with your animal, and spread it out to the people around you and to the people that aggravate you. Find that understanding and loving part in your heart and connect it to other people. And just do that. Try doing that 
for a week. Because if you're anything like me, sometimes when you start on this path of wanting to quote unquote get better from anything, whether that be BPD or trauma or anything for that matter, you want to buy all the things you're, you're trying to like, okay, fix me, fix me. Who can fix me? When you're in this vulnerable state, it's so easy to fall for shit. And it's so easy to start thinking that other people have answers. And now I'm realizing that the simplest way for me to move forward is I want to find the people who don't claim to have the answers, that don't want to sell me anything, but that just distill the, the teachings of spirituality and all these different religions down to the core message. We're all trying to distract from this emptiness inside of us and project it out onto other people, make other people the problem, and then at the same time, being so hard on ourselves too. And we're missing the point. While we're being so supremely hard on ourselves, the people in our lives, and getting so lost in stuff that really doesn't matter at the end of the day, wasting all this time our one and precious life here on earth wasting the time we should be spending it on cultivating that loving kindness in our hearts for ourselves and for the people around us really think about how your reality would be different if you did that but not just your reality but if every single person this week just focused on that how much better a place the world would be i'm not saying all of our problems would be fixed There's so much systemically wrong that needs to be fixed, but man, we would be in a much better place than we are now. That's for sure. So start where you can. Some of my favorite leaders and teachers always say, start local, right? That's starting with you. That's all you can do when we feel like there's so much out of our control. Just start where you are. And that's where I'm starting this week is how can I start in my own life, in my day-to-day creating loving kindness in every action and every word and if I fall off because nobody's a perfect person I'm gonna react I'm gonna lose my shit sometimes but how can I come back to this space of loving kindness give myself grace cut myself a break for being human and also give other people that permission too so when someone cuts me off on the road when my partner loses their temper with me when I get an aggravating email from my boss or whatever. Instead of going where I'm so used to going, which is this permanently offended state in my mind where I am just this perpetual victim of everyone else's bullshit. Instead, I'm viewing it differently and I'm going, I'm giving this person permission to be a human being and I'm giving myself permission to be a human being and I'm cultivating loving kindness within myself. And it's such a relieving feeling. That's all I'm focusing on this week. And I wanted to share that with each and every one of you. And I wanted to share Pima teachings with you. I'm going to link her book. It's actually a pretty small book. I'm holding it here right now in my hands. I just got back from my walk. It's 130 pages or something like that. It's very small. And it's something that each chapter is maybe five or six pages. So it's something that's easy to just have by your bed and if you just read a little tiny bit each night it's a beautiful thing and instead of tuning into these people that are like going to be like oh i have all these conscious downloads come join my my master class for seven thousand dollars invest in yourself girl boss 
maybe just buy Pima's book. <laughs> I think maybe $11. And you can tell that this beautiful woman has just put all of her heart into this book. And read it. Reflect on these things that I'm telling you. And you don't even have to buy the book. You can just try this practice that I shared with you today for free. This loving kindness practice. Try this just for a week and be religious about it. But by being religious about it, I like literally have this in your mind at all times, the loving kindness, the gooey feeling, all the and set aside time to do a loving kindness meditation. You can Google loving kindness meditations, by the way, on YouTube, and there will be a million of them. So if you need to walk through it again, go ahead and try this just this week. And then if you fall off the wagon, which you totally will, I definitely have already. And I just started yesterday. Just be kind to yourself. Together, let's release this false idea of anybody who pertains to have answers that are selling us spirituality because it's just not going to work, okay? It's not going to work. And instead, move towards the answers that are already within us, allowing ourselves to be human and other people to be human and connecting to loving kindness. And to tie everything up with Teal Swan and these spiritual gurus, it's good to be able to watch their content and view it through a critical lens. As I've mentioned before, we take what resonates and leave the rest. There's still some things that Teal, when I go back and watch some of her videos, I'm like, there's wisdom there. But now that I have the full picture and I've given time to listen to some of the more critical views of her work, I can see where it becomes very dogmatic and there are blind spots. And the blind spots always seem to come when people feel like they have all the answers, when they're some kind of spiritual guru that knows better than anyone else, that wants to take a bunch of people's money to put themselves through a process. Teal Swan's process, by the way, her book and what she sells to people is called the completion process which just ties so beautifully into what we've been talking about today. The completion process in itself insinuates that there is some form of being complete that she can get you to with her process. And that right there is a red flag. And you want to know who bought that book? This girl right here, me. I bought that book. I read the book obsessively back before I found my way and have done a lot more research into spirituality and have found, and when I say found my way, my way, my way that works for me and you'll find your way. Teal's way is not the only way and nor do I think it is really a way at all because it insinuates that there is some kind of finish line of healed that she can get you to. And I advise you, as someone who really cares about you, my listener, to be wary of anyone who sells you something that can complete you or heal you, because there is no healed, healed with an ED. There's only a process of healing that never finishes, and there's a process of growing that never finishes. And anyone else who's selling you otherwise, I think it's a crock of bullshit. That's my own own opinion. And you listen to me, apparently, because you value my opinion. But I'm also open to being wrong. Maybe my viewpoint will change in a few years. I'm growing so much. 
three years ago, I was watching Teal Swan videos and buying her book. So look where we're at. Which is why I think anyone who says anyone's personality is disordered or anyone is mentally ill forever or treatment resistant can't get better. It's just a crock of crap because we change so much. I am not the same person as I was three years ago. And it's through me being open to growing and changing in my own way and developing my own point of view and not just buying hook, line, and sinker, what everyone says, starting to develop better boundaries around myself. So now when something doesn't seem right to me, I'm listening to my intuition. And that's what I hope for each and every one of you. I hope for a reality where we can all turn on YouTube and see a Teal Swan video and say, wow, that's a really intelligent woman. I like what she has to say there, but my spidey senses are tingling. My bullshit detectors are flagging because this person is giving me a little bit of culty vibes and I'm not going to fall too deep into this rabbit hole. That's called nuanced critical thinking and it's something that we could all have a little bit more of in our lives, especially those of us who feel sometimes broken and empty and needing to fill this hole that we feel like is going to be filled by spiritual teachers or things that we'll buy or people that we'll fuck. (laughs) No, enough is enough. And I'm here to connect with that part of you that feels maybe a little bit called out by that because I'm calling myself out. I'm always thinking the next thing is going to fix me. My Amazon cart gives me away. My body count, as they say, gives me away. The people that I've slept with in the past, the people I've been in relationships with, the choices I've made, the impulsive decisions I've made, the moves, literally moving cities, the money I've spent on things that are supposedly going to fix me. None of it's going to fix me. And none of that's going to fix you either because there is no fixed, there is no healed, there is only healing and growing. And there is only loving kindness in our heart, the gooey feeling that we spread outwards and we cultivate that. And if we can just spend this week cultivating that feeling, that is time well spent, my friend. So on this week's premium episode... I'm going to dive deep into something called the dark night of the soul. And I'm going to talk a little bit about my dark night of the soul. We're going to talk about the person who coined the phrase, who is St. John of the Cross. And we're going to get really geeky about it and dive deep into that. So if you'd like to become a premium subscriber and unlock last week's episode where I reflect on my breakdown and also get into this week's episode about the dark night of the soul, I'd love to welcome you into this inner circle of premium subscribers. But if not, I love you all the same because you're just my fellow human. And the fact that you're listening to me means the world to me. So here I am back at my irregular recording area in my home. We finished the walking part of the podcast, and I thought I would finish this week by answering a few listener questions. I've been doing that at the beginning of the episode the last few weeks, but I'm switching it up, and I'm going to start maybe doing the questions at the end. 
so that people who want to jump straight into the body of the podcast can do that and if they want to chill and hang back here for the questions they can the first question is from a listener who is a premium subscriber named ace and her question is regarding the premium episode that i released last week that we discussed at the beginning of this podcast episode so that's what she's referencing and as i mentioned before if you want to unlock that episode you can subscribe at backfromtheborderline.com but my answer to her question is going to be relevant for everyone here so let's hear ace's question what's up molly my name's ace i'm 26 and i live in san diego and i was just listening to your last podcast and couldn't help but come on here and ask do you really think that Zaz giving you a hug saying, is it the big empty would totally and completely just like bring you back to some sort of place to see that you just blew up on him? Because often when I get mad at my boyfriend, which is ironically the same exact situation you just described in your last podcast, when I get mad at him, he often just like stops what he's doing and responds to my complaints. Can we just hug? And I can't help but feel that that's just like lumpy carpet syndrome. He's shoving our problems under the carpet, not listening to what I'm saying. And it makes me spiral further. So I was just wondering if you had any advice to shoot, let that hug feel good. Thank you so much. You're changing my life. Goddamn rock star you are. Oh, Ace, my beautiful friend. So often when y'all send me questions, I am overwhelmed with how much I relate and connect with the people that you are and this was one of those questions big time you asked do i think that zaz giving me a hug and just saying is it the big empty would just bring me right back down to my middle ground where i'm able to connect no i don't think it's that simple the way that you describe your boyfriend saying Can we just hug? (laughs) I love the lumpy carpet syndrome that you described. Shoving things under the rug. What's coming up for me, Ace, listening to your voicemail, is this feeling of wanting to be heard. Of wanting what you're feeling to be absorbed by your boyfriend and wanting him to understand how big of a deal something is to you and to get validation and I struggle a lot with validation with Zaz too where what we're going through right now is a process because I feel that same way sometimes he just will say things like can we just move forward let's just move forward it's not a big deal and this is where I think breakdowns happen with communications with couples that are with a very emotionally intense person like me and maybe you ace and then someone who is more of an avoidant person like our boyfriends who want to just move forward and are uncomfortable inherently with conflict i think what's helped zaz and i is that we're working on getting to a point where i can share how i'm feeling with him from a place that isn't highly emotionally reactive and where I'm not pointing out where he's messing up or falling short in some way but making it about my feelings and when we're talking about my breakdown last week I opened up to him and said 
I'm struggling with some really big existential feelings and I just need you to be here with me right now. And that allows him to open up and respond in his own way. And then when we eventually do hug or we do connect, it feels so much more genuine and not so dismissive. I think that when we are presenting to our partners in these really reactive, really explosive ways where we are pointing out their faults and making them feel like they need to do something to help us or fix us, if we're with someone who is inherently a little bit more conflict averse or avoidant like that in these situations, which to their credit, anyone would be, we're not going to get responses. Can we just hug? Please make this stop is what they're saying. They're overwhelmed. And I think so many of us who struggle with things like BPD or any emotion dysregulation issue is we end up with partners who end up just taking the emotional beating and we forget that they're a person in this relationship too, that they are going through a really hard thing by having to navigate someone's really volatile emotions. So we have to have compassion for ourselves, but also compassion for our partner at the same time. Hearing what you said, your boyfriend just saying, can we just hug? It's giving vibes to me of, can this just stop? And I think that you're intuitively feeling that. And the fact that that's not enough for you makes sense. And so you're allowing it to make you spiral further. And so then he's getting the message, wow, me hugging her, that isn't even enough. And then it's, you see, it's like back and forth. You're just triggering each other's deep wounds he's feeling like what he's going to do for you and what he's offering you is never enough and you are intuitively catching on to the fact that he is overwhelmed and just wants your emotional outburst in his perception to stop and so you're feeling abandoned and so someone one of the two of you has to catch this slow down create some space from your emotions and the reaction and say I'm hearing that you when you say can we just hug it makes me feel like you're saying you just want this to be over I really want to calm down because I don't want to overwhelm you with this emotion but I'm feeling really abandoned right now or I'm feeling like you just don't even want to be around me and it's making me feel the big empty (laughs) it's making me feel alone and scared and sit with that and see where it goes from there. Create moments of genuine vulnerability and sharing what's really going on inside rather than getting trapped in this cycle of pointing out where our partners are screwing up and then pushing them into a corner of feeling like they're either pushing like the, can we just hug? I want this to be over button or getting defensive and then it's spiraling out of control. I hope this is helpful for you because absolutely not. If Zaz just said to me, can we just hug? Or is it the big empty and was dismissive? That would make me feel the emotion of wanting to lose my shit and continue to spiral further. But Zaz still sometimes does respond in what I perceive to be in an invalidating way because he's a human being. And... I have to give him space and grace for that. 
and it's up to me to communicate how I'm feeling and only put it through the lens of my experience and not project anything onto him or make it about him being deficient in some way because if I'm going to frame my feelings in that way it's only going to create distance and separation between us this is such hard stuff ace and it's so hard to find that balance but I'm hoping that you listening to this response with your partner perhaps will allow you guys to open up and have a conversation and create some kind of game plan where maybe you're feeling really emotionally dysregulated and walking him through how he can respond to you in a more validating way and then you from your side can take the onus upon yourself to communicate your feelings from a more grounded place and hopefully with the combination of those things one of the two of you will be able to diffuse the situation a little bit better but it's taken a long time for Zaz and I to develop this rhythm and we're getting better and better at it but it just takes practice and it takes listening to podcasts together then talking about that doing exactly what you're doing so I'm super proud of you And thank you so much for calling in. And also thank you so much for becoming a premium subscriber. The next question that we have is from Casey. Hi, Molly. My name is Casey. I've been a longtime listener, I think, at this point. I was a member of the former community we had. Uh, I wanted to pose this question. I am about to enter my 30s and I have no friends. I feel like I have no friends. I have a lot of great acquaintances. I feel like I have many, many, many acquaintances, but I don't have any friends. The common denominator is me. So I wanted to pose this question and I'm keen to hear your thoughts because I, and I feel like many others are actively working through our trauma, our CPTSD, whatever neurodivergencies we are carrying with us. I wonder if that impairs my ability to be a friend or to know what a friendship is or to foster any kind of interpersonal relationship. I feel like I pull a lot from my resources. I text, I make plans, I go to their events, I invite them over for dinners, and I wait for a reciprocal response and I don't get it. So am I missing something here? Is there something with those who work through trauma that kind of impairs their way to see relationships? Thank you so much. Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for this question it hits home for me. I've been reflecting a lot actually about how difficult it is to make friends in your 30s and also how much you reflect on your friendships in general as you enter your 30s. I want to validate what you're going through as something that I think a lot of people can relate to. And if you can relate to Casey, feel free to go to backfromtheborderline.com slash voicemail and share your reflections. As I mentioned before on previous episodes, this is not just to ask me questions. I want you to also, as listeners, respond and relate to each other and use the voicemail feature to share your thoughts. So if you can relate to Casey's question, please submit your thoughts on this as well. I have had a very complicated relationship with friendships, Casey. And I also feel like I don't have a lot of friends. And I think that when I felt the most alone in my life is when I was trying to cultivate a lot of friendships. 
because what I've realized is that relationships are hard work. (laughs) And that's no mystery. I'm not dropping any sort of unique truth bombs here. Relationships are hard. And I think if we start focusing too much on the fact that we have trauma or that we have neurodivergencies and saying that this is the reason that it's hard to have friendships, we're missing a bigger spiritual point where it's just difficult to develop and cultivate close intimate bonds, period, especially in the day of social days of social media. And it's just hard in general when you get older and we don't have situations that are like school or college where we are constantly in the mix with people for me i work from home and so i'm not at it's like i used to be back when i used to work in startups where we were in the office i was much more social we had work events we went out for drinks and now that i've been working remotely i love it so much but i find that I have to work a lot harder to cultivate relationships in my life. And I've also realized that social media gives me this sense of friendship FOMO. And maybe you can relate to this too, Casey, where I'm always looking at social media and I see people that I've connected with briefly in my life. And I think it's so bizarre that we're living in a time where we collect all of these friendships, we follow all of them on social media, everyone we've interacted with or worked with, and then we can see their daily updates, see them doing fun stuff on the weekends, and it can make us feel so profoundly alone. Seeing just highlight reels of all people's social interactions can make you feel like you are so left out, and I think it's really important to remember if this is something that makes you sad too, that people are just so carefully curating their online presence and they often are feeling just as deeply alone as you are. I spoke to a close friend of mine who lives in LA a few weeks ago and he is always out on the town. He is always posting pictures in glamorous outfits, out with glamorous, rich-looking people in Los Angeles, And then when I speak to him and we have our vulnerable talks, he tells me that he feels empty and alone and like none of his friends actually even know who he is and that he is spending all of his time cultivating this mask. I think a really valuable exercise for all of us to do is to ask, what do we really want? Is it social media that's making us feel like we don't have any friends and maybe we do have a few really close friends that we could just focus on those few and really cultivating those relationships maybe we're spreading ourselves too thin and we're feeling like we have to have this massive thriving social circle that we can share on social media i had to really get real with myself and recognize that i'm a pretty introverted person and that as i get older i think my circle is going to get smaller and smaller and I know that I'm going to pick a few and this is three or four maybe even just two or three at this point for me very close relationships that I'm cultivating on a daily basis and I don't go out a lot I don't see them but I've found what works for me. I've talked about her plenty of times on the podcast before, but Mel, who is an early guest on the podcast, who I had never met, 
before last year when she came on the podcast has become one of my best friends in this whole world we've talked every single day since that podcast interview and we don't talk on the phone we don't zoom we just voice note each other back and forth and it has become the most beautiful voice note pen pal relationship when i started my recovery journey i had that phrase is starting to feel really cringy for me but you guys get it it's just when i started this path of self-awareness when i really started to want to better myself and identify people that I had attracted into my life that mirrored a lot of my trauma and were struggling with similar things that maybe didn't bring out the best in me, I realized that a lot of those relationships just fell away and people just stopped reaching out to me or checking in. And then that allowed some room for some really wholesome and beautiful relationships to fall into its place. And that required me to start my podcast, Casey. So I started my podcast, I started my Instagram, and now I've connected with new people who are on their path to healing and who share a lot of my same passions. And so I think that as we enter our 30s and anyone else who's listening to this podcast, regardless of your age, finding a passion and starting to just pour yourself into this creative outlet, creating community around that, finding people that have shared interests in you, Asking yourself, what do you really want from a relationship? Is social media making you feel like your social life is emptier and hollower than it actually is? These are questions that you have to ask yourself. But something I don't believe is I don't believe that trauma of any kind or neurodivergency of some kind has to mean that you're incapable of developing strong, intimate bonds with friends and partners. I don't believe that. I believe that everyone in this world has their own set of unique challenges, and we just have to find out what we want, whether society is making us feel like we need something that maybe we don't even really want. I don't want a thriving, huge, partying all the time social circle. I have found something that works for me. And I encourage you to find something that works for you and examine maybe you're in a transitory period. Maybe some people need to fall out of your life. Maybe you need to find creative passion that you can start cultivating. And then naturally, you'll find that people that share similar interests to you will naturally start coming into your life. So I encourage you to start thinking about that. I hope this is helpful. But as I mentioned before, I encourage anyone that relates to Casey's question about finding, making friends difficult to reach out and share your reflections and reactions to her question because I think we can all circle her with love and validate her and that it's really hard to make friends. And I don't think anybody, even if they're showing that they have some thriving social life on Instagram, for example, so many people still feel deeply alone and that their friends don't really know them. So I hope this was helpful for you, Casey, and thank you so much for calling in. Our next listener who's called in is Shay. So let's hear what Shay has to say. You like that? You like that little rhyme? (laughs) Let's play it. This is more of a question for someone who's just beginning the recovery process, but as someone who's just starting and who has an FP being a romantic partner, how can you start making like conscious efforts and steps 
to make your own self your favorite person and all steering away from unhealthy behaviors, checking up on the person, smothering them, over loving, just what are ways to combat that way of thinking and moving yourself towards the center instead of your favorite person? Hi, Shay. Thank you for calling in with this question, the favorite person phenomenon. So for those of you who aren't familiar with it, the FP relationship or favorite person relationship is a hot topic in the BPD community. You'll hear a ton of references to FP on Instagram posts, on Reddit. To give a definition of what an FP is within the context of BPD, an FP or favorite person represents a person who is a source of comfort or an anchor for you. They're different from a best friend in that they're a person who you depend on emotionally. They provide emotional validation and security and you might start to believe that they're the only person that can make you happy. Now with that being said, Shay, to your question, you said that you were very early in your recovery journey. My biggest piece of advice is to stay away from the BPD 123 content. That's what I have to say first and foremost. And by BPD 123, if you've listened to the podcast enough, that is any account that just has BPD as their content. There are only a couple BPD accounts that I think are worth following in the long run. Once that you identify with some of the core symptomology and core content of BPD, like abandonment issues, chronic feelings of emptiness, there's only so much you can get out of these accounts and then it starts to become circle jerk of sadness stuff. Constant posts that are talking about FP, any account that really is mentioning the FP relationship, I would question how helpful it's going to be for you in the long run because these are just very BPD centric terms and they're not getting to the core of it, which is that we are placing all of our eggs in somebody else's basket all of our identity eggs, all of our self-worth eggs, we're just putting them all in there with one person. And regardless, whether you have BPD or not, so many other people struggle with this, Shay, then this is not a BPD-centric issue. There are people out there who would claim to be the most neurotypical person ever that wrap their entire identity around their partner mothers out there i'm just giving an example there's millions of these examples but a mom who puts her entire identity into her husband and her children and has literally no sense of self or identity that role is actually quite praised in society but do you think this mom who is wrapping her identity completely around her kids and her husband and has no life of her own is looking at BPD content, thinking that her kids and her husband are her FPs. No. The fact that you are realizing and honing in on a dynamic that may be problematic in your own life where you're wrapping your identity around another person and your entire emotional responses are very tied to someone else, I think you should give yourself a huge pat on the back for that. 
because the first step is awareness. So let's talk about your other part of your question, which is how can you become your own FP? First, we've decided together that we're throwing the term FP out of the window. It actually makes me cringe. And I don't blame you because I used to be using it, but I just think all of us should just relieve ourselves of this BPD terminology. It just It's another thing that keeps us identifying with a disorder. And you're listening to my podcast, so you are wanting to hear my opinion. And I did not find it helpful to get overly involved in the BPD community, quote unquote, where I am talking about FP and really, really spiraling into that world. Dip your toe in, become aware, and then get out of there and widen your horizons to more. It might be a good idea to go through your Instagram, find all these BPD accounts that you're following, and slim it down. My very good friend, Catherine, her Instagram is all about BPD, and her Instagram handle is Catherine with a C, so that's C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-L-C-S-W. And if you search her on Instagram, you'll find her best BPD account, in my opinion. She is a licensed therapist, and she gives some incredible information on borderline personality disorder from a destigmatized perspective, and she cites all of her sources. So if you need somewhere to start, that's a good place to start. But I recommend that you widen your perspective. And if I were just starting out in my recovery journey again and I could go back, I would pick one BPD account to follow, keep it at that, and then expand my horizons and look outside, maybe follow some depth psychology pages, some more spirituality pages, some mindfulness practitioners, widen the horizon because if you log on to Instagram and you are just bombarded by everything BPD, it is something that can really keep you stuck, in my opinion. So we've agreed that we're going to throw away the term FP, okay? (laughs) We've got that out of the way. Now you talked about how you can make yourself your own FP. So since we're throwing the term FP into the garbage, what are you really asking? You're asking how can you deepen your relationship with yourself? Nobody wants to be in a position where they feel like their every emotion is hanging on what somebody else is going to do. I can relate to that so much. So many of my relationships that I had all throughout my 20s and late teens I think I could probably say safely that I wasted years of my life either waiting for a text back from someone or analyzing a five-word reply from some dude who really didn't give a shit about me probably and sending it in my group chat with my friends and analyzing and stressing about it. I can't even imagine how much further along I would be in my own personal journey if I could get all that time back. So ask yourself, is this person somebody who is really wanting to build with you? How well do you actually know this person? Or are you projecting all of your hopes and dreams and wants and desires onto them? Are they who you really want? Or are you just 
settling for scraps of love like you have for your entire life. I'm speaking as if I'm speaking to a younger version of myself. I don't know your exact situation or your backstory, but I feel like so many of us need to ask ourselves these questions. I was settling for scraps and that meant that I was spending so much of my time settling for scraps, analyzing the words or no words of the people that really were already showing me they didn't care about me, that I was not creating any space to be with myself and cultivate a relationship with myself and that also robbed me from the ability of being able to throw myself into creative passions and environments where I would actually maybe meet someone that was good for me. And not only that, because I was in such a trauma spiral, the good people that actually fell into my life, I ended up sabotaging those things. Some tips that I have for you, beside that really high-level stuff that we just went through, how you can really focus on yourself instead of putting the other person first is focusing on yourself when that person's away. Do you have a creative hobby or a passion that you can throw yourself into? Or is your hobby worrying about your current obsession of the moment? Talk to them instead of texting. Texting leaves so much room for confusion and setting up time to talk or moments to talk with this person can be so much better than texting and also do you have other people in your life that you can reach out to for support cultivate relationships and friendships so often those of us that are in fp relationships or wrapping our entire identity around one person we are completely neglecting the other relationships in our lives and so if we have a thriving hobby, creative pursuit we can throw ourselves into, other friends and relationships that we're talking to, then this partner or this person, this romantic interest is just one piece of an already thriving life. If I look back at the times I was the most sad and the most lonely feeling, it's because I was making one person that I actually didn't even really know very well and I knew deep down was probably not the best for me, I was making them the entire center of my world. I was just orbiting that person. And I had nothing else going on. Now that I have my podcast, I'm, have, I've thrown myself back into my nerdy passions, my books, I love my job, I have my friendships with Melanie, Zaz is a part of my life. And I don't feel as emotionally dependent on him anymore. So I hope this is helpful, Shay. I relate so much to what you're going through because it's really difficult. But I want to give you a huge hug virtually and say how proud I am of you for the self-awareness that you're displaying for even realizing and recognizing that you are placing someone else at the center of your world because that's something you want to take a look at. And I highly recommend you look up the concept of limerence. Limerence is a topic that I think I'm going to do an entire podcast episode about, but limerence is basically when we're in lust and we're in projecting our wishes and hopes on someone instead of being in love. So they'll say, are you in limerence or are you in love? So look into limerence. You can go down a rabbit hole there. There's a lot of really good content. And limerence is essentially a 
FP relationship. So check that out. The last question that we will be playing today is from a listener named Lily. Hi, Molly. My name is Lily, and I'm from Sacramento, California. I'm 17 years old, and I was recently diagnosed with a BPD by my DBT therapist. And I was going to call in to ask you what coping skills, like DBT or also just like strategies, that someone who is in extreme crisis mode could use because I've been struggling with that recently, especially how to control and regulate my emotions. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this subject and if you had any advice. Oh, by the way, I'm also a a premium subscriber and and I love you so much. I love the podcast. Thank you. Hope you have a nice day. Oh, Lily, I love your voicemail. I just want to give you a huge hug. Congratulations for being so brave and being in therapy and having a great DBT therapist. I'm just filled with happiness for you that you are learning DBT skills because I think DBT skills are something that every single person on earth could benefit from. I'm so honored to have you as a premium subscriber and that you love the podcast. And so you asked about emotion regulation when you're in extreme crisis mode. Obviously, as we all know, I am not a qualified therapist. This is just me sharing what works for me when I'm in extreme crisis mode. The ice on the face trick never fails. When you are really feeling emotionally dysregulated, something that helps me calm down is a bowl of water with lots of ice in it to where it's cold and just plunging your face into it until it almost hurts that helps me a lot another thing that helps me is going into my car with a pillow and just screaming into that pillow i don't know what emotion you're struggling with but for me i just feel like i get a lot of feelings a lot of pent up energy and Often, so many of us, when we're really in crisis mode, we sit there and just spiral and spiral and spiral. And so what's really helped me is recognizing these feelings, tuning into my body, and I'm going, wow, I'm feeling I'm feeling the big empty. I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling my heart is racing. And this is an opportunity for me to get the, the anxiety out. Just last night, I was sitting on the couch and I felt the big empty flow over me i felt a depression and zaz looked at me and said are you okay and i said i feel depressed and he said let's get up let's go on a walk and i didn't want to and then i thought he's right and so what did we do we just went on a really brisk walk around the block instantly i felt a little bit better just moving my body and getting my body moving helps i had another listener who also said that sometimes when she's really having a big crisis mode, she gets down and does like as many push-ups as she can or does like frantic jumping jacks and that helps her. I don't know if you've also listened to other episodes where I talk about shaking. Animals, after they've been through a really traumatic thing, they'll sometimes shake their body. It's like a dog, after they get out of the bath, they shake. Obviously, they're shaking to get the water off, but... Even my dog, when there's lightning or thunder, sometimes she'll just shake off even though she's not out of the bath. This is a 
nervous system regulation technique that animals do naturally and we can borrow from that so even just doing a little crazy jig (laughs) putting some music on in your room and just shaking your body around i will sometimes just yell and scream to music get the energy out in some way it's pent up it needs to be released getting it out so for me the plunging my face in ice doing some shaking jumping around getting the energy out that a lot of times will really help and then after that if i can and i can dedicate all this time to this i'll sit down and do a loving kindness meditation and that's what we just described in this episode look up loving kindness meditations on youtube some of my favorite meditations ever are by a woman named tara brock and that's t-a-r-a-b-r-a-c-h she's got a free podcast that's just her name and when i tell you this woman has the most soothing voice and she does tons of free meditations many of which are loving kindness ones so i highly recommend you do that you can't really go wrong with the the ice on the face screaming shaking jumping around going on a walk getting that energy out that really really helps me but the worst thing we can do when we're in crisis mode is sitting down stagnant and just spinning out and ruminating because to me that will just allow my mind to go all sorts of different places so i hope this helps you and i am just so honored to have you as a listener lily it's pretty amazing that this early in your life you've already found yourself with a therapist working those dbt skills and just remember some of what i share might work for you some of it may not but i trust that if you continue on your own path you're going to find the things that work and once you do just keep doing them and giving yourself a lot of kindness and compassion because this stuff is hard and really embrace the message of this episode in particular that nobody's perfect no therapist no person that claims to be the most neurotypical person in the world is perfect everybody has their breakdowns everybody has their hard times but if we can cultivate a sense of loving kindness and sense of self-awareness and focus on healing and growing ing the verbs you're gonna be just fine so i'm sending you so much love lily all right everyone that is it for today thank you for coming along for my walk and then also coming back here with me for the listener questions just a reminder that in the episode description of this podcast episode i'm listing links to the deep end documentary about teal swan the gateway podcast about teal swan the link to the book by Pima Chodron. I will even link to a loving kindness meditation if you'd like to get started there. And for those of you who are interested in becoming a premium subscriber and unlocking these episodes that I've been talking about, you can check that out. The link is in the description as well as on my website backfromtheborderline.com. And I have linked for my premium subscribers as well as all of you in the episode description of this podcast. There is the step-by-step walkthrough how-to guide for accessing my premium content and adding my private podcast feed to your favorite podcast app. So 
That is also at backfromtheborderline.com slash premium FAQ. So you can click into that in the episode description. So I'd love to welcome you all to my premium subscribers, but if not, that's okay too. And I hope you have the most amazing week and I will chat to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.